SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Thanks, Greg. Exactly five minutes after six o'clock, this is the Market Update with MoneyWeb. Hilton Tone with you on this Thursday evening. A reminder of our SMS line, 34701 with the keyword market. That's 34701 with the keyword market. To keep those questions and comments coming in, we'll get to one or two of those before 6.30. And uh, one question in from yesterday via email asking about how uh, one deals with falling markets. We'll get to that question by half past six. Uh, David Shapiro with us is, is not sure how to deal with it. No, there's only markets. one way to deal with it. Worry. Run, run, run <laughs> to the exit. Worry, yeah. First up, as always, Kugler Fupi has your business news. Thanks, Hilton. Good evening. Yeah. Well, Standard Chartered will acquire APSA Group's custody and trustee operation as the London-based lender steps up its presence in South Africa. The banks did not disclose the size of the deal, but APSA says it will not be material to the group. Custody services include processes such as back, back office management for overseas investors trading on the continent's borders. Global Brewer, SAB Miller, has posted a 7% increase in full-year organic revenue, boosted by strong demand in Africa and a surprisingly robust performance in Europe. The London-based company, which owns more than 200 beer brands, adds that the full-year lager volumes had grown by 6% in Africa on an organic basis. And according to the International Air Transport Association, the the aviation industry contributes 74 billion rand to South Africa's annual gross domestic product and sustains around 230,000 jobs across the entire value chain in the country. The industry body represents around 240 airlines from around the world, including South African Airways. Turning to the markets now, the JCO share index has closed up in positive territory, ever so slightly though, by slightly more by ten than a tenth of a percent at 37,852 points. The rand's at 9.18 to the US dollar, 13.99 to the pound, and 11.99 against the euro. Gold trading at $1,394 an ounce, a barrel of Brent crude oil at $98, and the platinum price at $1,430 an ounce. Thanks, Gugu. David Shapiro of Sasson. Market up only barely today. Barely. <laughs> but uh, across the board, uh, we did see some buying coming in. What brought the market down, gold shares still continue to tumble, Hilton. But, but generally, there were buyers uh, in, finan- sorry, in financials and certainly on the mining boards. It was Anglers and Bulletin that kept up. Uh, platinum shares were down. Sassel also had a fairly good day. Industrials mixed. I think SAB just uh, giving that little added... Uh, that, that pushed the index into positive territory. Otherwise, it was it was both ways there. Although I must say that either side, both by, you know by, both ups and downs, weren't too severe. Um, you know, weren't 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 extreme losses, etc. Market still struggling, still trying to find its feet, still trying to understand. Uh, you know what's happening. Um, what's happening in the world, and uh, foreign markets are not helping us as well. The the U.S. markets seem to have given up those those fresh all-time highs down and again. seem to be coming down. Yeah. Down well, we had leading indicators down in 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 the U.S. suggesting that you know the economy is uh, slowing down. Um, that you know the growth is slowing down, and also uh, results. Uh, some results that came out today also just put a little bit more downward pressure. But but commodity prices having an impact. Globally, you know, right across the world. Look at those uh, commodity returns, David. Uh, across yeah. the past 12 months, the Baltic Dry Index, uh, indicator of shipping, down 10.5%. Mm-hmm. Brent crude, down almost 20%. Coal, down 18%. Mm-hmm. Gold, down 17%. Mm-hmm. Iron ore, down 6%. Copper, down 12%. Platinum, down 10%. Silver, down 27%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, 
how do you read it? It's uh, I, I think what it's suggesting is that the tra- trajectory in, in emerging markets is actually lowering. Um, we thought that we were going into a, a, a very positive year for um, for resources, particularly with China coming back from a from a hard landing or the, the fear of a hard landing, um, with the suggestions of eight to eight and a half percent growth there. So I think generally uh, the view is a lot more positive, and the fact that they're not going to go there. And also, the other thing is that we're getting a lot more supply coming on. All mm-hmm. those projects that were created during the super cycle coming on now, starting to create fears in the market because of lower demand that could come through uh, you know, because of the uh, world growth. So it's, it's, it's hurting. And Hilton, you also have to understand that in the commodity market, there's a massive amount of speculation. So these are the speculators actually saying, listen, we've had enough here. It's not going to give us returns. Let's start closing out positions, you know, lock in some profits. So uh, we saw that particularly in the gold market where ETFs are sold out. Oil price? Oil price as well. Oil price, again, it's, it's uh, a lot more American demand coming, uh, sorry, supply coming through. Um, you know, we've heard about uh, the energy boom in America. That's starting to, to weigh on the market. And the big worry there is with, um, with the oil price now, Brent falling below 100, what's OPEC going to do? Because there's a number of the new wells and also a lot of countries that need at least 100 plus, um, you know, to make things, um, uh, to, to make ends meet. So um, it's going to hurt OPEC, and it could also hurt quite a few of the oil-producing economies that are being hurt by this lower oil price. Let's bring in Peter Major now. He's a mining consultant at Katie's Corporate Solutions, our go-to man on commodities and resources. Peter, more pain in the gold market today. We saw gold stocks down just over 3%. Some of them dropping substantially, though. Sibania down almost 7% on the day. Harmony down yet again, down 6%. We saw uh, goldfields lower as well. Uh, we saw goldfields down by 2%. Uh, Anglo Gold Ashanti down by almost 3%. What's your reading of the, the carnage that we're seeing in uh, not only gold stocks, but we saw this in platinum stocks yesterday? Well, I think the big difference, Hilton, between previous ups and downs, let's talk decades ago, is pain is a regular It's a regular occurrence now with our gold equities and our platinum equities. So, sure, people who bought the the bullion and the ETF, they feel pain when it goes down. But the people who bought our gold equities and platinum equities, they feel the pain much more intensely and much longer. And that's I think that's what everybody's asking. Why is this? Why is our industry, even when the, the metal prices were going up, or going flat, why was our industry taking so much pain and the people holding those shares taking so much pain? And it's because, unfortunately, the industry has lost almost complete control of their costs. For the last 10 years, everybody seems to have their say on costs, suppliers, laborers, government, unions. And and we we have to fault management to a certain degree, too, because they have not been underpaid, Hmm. but they haven't delivered. So... People are just saying, these are so unpredictable, they're so risky, it's bad enough holding a commodity that goes down, but you're holding a geared, negatively geared instrument when you hold the share. Peter, looking at the two uh, pure play South African gold stocks, the two uh, larger ones, Harmony down at 42 Rand 25, Sibanya Gold unbundled from Goldfields below 10 Rand, 9 Rand and some change. Where's the bottom? I know the bottom's at zero, but where's the bottom? Look, 
theoretically the bottom's at zero, but it won't go down there. If I can use an analogy, Anglo gold, or, or call it free gold, when Anglo-American put all the, the free gold gold mines together and call it free gold, I think there were 29 shafts there. And when the gold price was falling and going flat in the early 90s, free gold, the share price kept going down, down, down. But the fact was, three or four of those shafts made plenty of money. So by closing the, the loss-making shafts, you could take the share from 25 to 50 to 100. So the bottom for a share is not zero. It's how many divisions they want to close to show profitability. Once they show profitability, the share can go right back up. It's just they have to do a lot of cost-cutting to make that happen and involves retrenching a lot of people. And uh, perhaps politically, that's not uh, the most palatable uh, situation. It's almost impossible politically. And that's, that's the problem. Management's hands are so tied. This isn't like making microchips, TVs, cameras, or cigarettes, or alcohol. This thing, these mining shares are lightning rods. Everybody stares and watches them. The managers there have less control than almost any other industry, I think. Peter Major is mining consultant at KD's Corporate Solutions. David, not a pretty picture. We're sitting with a situation where we could conceivably see tens of thousands of jobs being lost. And just think of the political implications of that. Um, you know, Labor's just not going to give up on that. So I'm not quite sure whether there'd be you know, further uh, unlawful uprisings or, or strikes and various other actions. Um, just, just on that... Um, What's happened over, I, I picked up a, a stat on Bloomberg's today that, that the FT Gold Mining Index, um, which is a, an accumulation of all the major mining companies in the world, in dollar terms, since the gold peaked in 2011, it's lost 100, I think it's $169 billion, which translates to 1.5 trillion rand. That's the amount that has been written off uh, for people holding gold shares. But in terms of the gold price, uh, gold shares are their lowest in 20 years. The relationship between gold shares and gold prices at the, l the lowest in 20 years. So, um, you know, Peter explains it, and I think that's uh, you know that that's one of the reasons that people have lost complete control of costs. Elsewhere on the market, as Google mentioned, SAB Miller, a trading update there, had a final year results. Revenue up 7% for the year, 10% if you include uh, the impact of currency movements as well as the Foster's acquisition. Good volumes in Europe, Africa, Asia, Pacific, all of those up 6%. And if you look at Africa specifically, that's not including South Africa, volumes up 9% mm -hmm. in the fourth quarter, so accelerating. Accelerating, that's where their growth is. You know, they're doing a lot of business in, in, uh, in Africa, trying to grow their market share there. But uh, this, is a, this is a safe haven. You know, would you rather have uh, a beer company or a gold mine? Beer I mean, and cigarettes, is, David. Sure, ab absolutely. You know, they're, they're bulletproof. And uh, it just shows you that a company like SAB Jers continues to produce the goods. Funny enough, Diageo, which is spirits as well. It's Johnny Walker and um, Smirnoff and Guinness Honey. also. The Heineken as well just did brilliantly. Uh, um, in another good result from them, I think their their sales volumes are up around about five percent. So, you know, rather than struggle with gold or platinum shares, just buy the vice. SAFM market update with MoneyWeb. 
Well, IT Services Group Business Connection out with results for the six months to the 28th of February today. Revenue up by 8%. Normalized diluted headline earnings per share, 24.8 cents, up ever so slightly. Benjamin Mopatlane is Chief Executive of Business Connection. Ben, this year has really been one of integration. You've had to get the UCS uh, business, which is primarily a business that sells solutions to retailers, integrated. Uh, you've also just done the integrate acquisition, getting that business and you've got one month of those uh, numbers. And, and, and those acquisitions starting to come through? No, they have. Uh, thanks, Hilton. Um, all acquisitions have performed uh, exceedingly well. Uh, the Kanoa one and UCS as well. And very much uh, going forward, uh, I think that uh, they've been good businesses for us. In terms of all these solutions and, and these business combinations that you have done um, over the past, call it 12, 18 months, the opportunity really there to cross-sell some of these services, uh, in fact, many of these services to, to many of these clients, uh, how has the, the, that cross-selling strategy unfolded? Uh, we definitely have benefited in the first six months. Uh, if you look at our Kenoa business has benefited out of that. We've also had quite a lot of impact as well in terms of UCS, uh, bringing some of this to the services side. So cross-selling is the biggest opportunity for business connection going forward. Uh, we're quite a large group. We're quite a diversified group as well. And even if you see the results, although uh, services hasn't come through uh, as well as last year, uh, other parts of our business have performed well. Just looking uh, abroad, you have launched cloud services in Nigeria during the period. You're about to launch in Kenya. Is the appetite for these services in those markets very strong? It's very strong. Um, if you look at Nigeria, for example, uh, we all know that Nigeria, a lot of the growth has been driven by mobile. Um, IT services are very new in that part of the world. And as a result, uh, because of us bringing cloud offering and cloud services in Nigeria, uh, the Nigerian government, the federal government has given us a tax break around those uh, services, which uh, it's very encouraging from an investment point of view, but it also gives a business connection an opportunity uh, to play in a very, very great part of our market as well. Your strategy on the continent has really been one of organic growth where you would enter a market, start a new operation uh, as opposed to acquisitions. Take us through the thinking there. Well, we did, uh, as way back um, as 2005, 2006, we did acquire a company which gave us um, ability to a footprint in Tanzania and Zambia and Namibia. And Namibia were already there, so that was quite easy for us. But the other two, what we found out, it was very difficult in terms of uh, making sure that we can do the business connection way of work. And, you know, it wasn't a very easy acquisition to bed down. The second part of our strategy has been driven by our clients. So if you look at our presence in Mozambique, uh, that has been very much driven by our large uh, mining companies that are there and as well as a petrochemical company that we do work for. Uh, the third part of our strategy is to organically grow and put money uh, and, and very much it's an OPEX approach. So if one looks at Nigeria, we've been there close to five years. We started that business, Greenfield, sent people over. We, be started, we became a gold Cisco partner. And over a period of time, that business is transitioning itself from being a technology provider to a services company. If you look at the continent, Ben, uh, not only in the IT space but, but across uh, the different sectors, there have been many, many failures. Uh, how is Business Connection going to avoid those mistakes? And often they're very costly mistakes uh, that others have made uh, in Africa. Absolutely, no doubt that, you know, um, it's not an easy place. But at the same time, our approach has been uh, to be very cautious, uh, to also uh, bring in the, our best people in those uh, markets that we operate. 
Uh, and also, from our perspective, the key part is obviously the governance side as well, uh, making sure that we adhere to all the policies within those countries. We haven't t- taken a big bang approach. Uh, if one looks at what we're doing in Nigeria, it's possibly uh, the biggest uh, investment we've done in terms of putting money in there. Uh, the key thing is that we are well established. We've got a footprint. And, uh, and I, uh, one of the things that I'll we always caution in our business that we have to be patient. You know, uh, this market, uh, they've got their own challenges. Each country is different. But always equally important as well for us, uh, this is not a quick buck. This is to build a sustainable business. So everything else that we do in every part of our business is about sustainability. Here at home, more than half of your revenue is uh, annuity revenue, so you are practically guaranteed that every year. In the public sector, is spend starting to come through? Yes, uh, we've had uh, one of our biggest uh, wins in the public sector, uh, which is an outsource with the Department of Water Affairs that's over 420 million rand over five years. Uh, it's certainly one of our biggest wins in the services sector. Uh, I would believe that the, the services business will benefit in the next six to 12 months. Uh, we still remain op- optimistically cautious. Uh, we believe that the, for us as a government, especially in South Africa, the public sector spending has to increase, and IT is definitely one way to improve service delivery. You've also launched a, a cloud business uh, here in South Africa, a public cloud business. I guess in many ways this is a way to monetize existing data center infrastructure which you have. Absolutely. Uh, it's about uh, leveraging the assets that we have, uh, and the approach there as well is is just to go through resellers as well. So uh, we're signing up resellers in terms of them actually offering those services to the SMMEs. Uh, so they, they've got a better reach and footprint and access to those SMMEs than we have. Uh, so we just build the building engines, the billing engines, and making sure that we're able to deliver the service. We've got capacity in the data centers. Ben, just to close off with uh, one of the trends that uh, many uh, analysts as well as players in the space are, are seeing in the year ahead is, is one of consolidation. Uh, your competitors, uh, Asher Bobot at EOH, uh, Ahmed Mohammed also at Datacentrics, really saying that that consolidation is going to continue uh, in the space. Is BCX going to play the lead in consolidation? We believe that we're well positioned to do that. Uh, our balance sheet can, can take more debt uh, in terms of us raising the, the, the appropriate capital to do further acquisitions. Uh, but, you know, if we can get smart acquisitions, it would be great. I think that, uh, you know, in the South African market, um, we're always going to be challenged. Everybody knows all the players as well. We believe that in Integrate, we, we possibly got one of the last uh, jewels in terms of that mid-corporate business and mid-sized business that uh, can come into our stable. Uh, we look at that also acquisitions uh, outside South Africa. Uh, so if uh, the, the areas that we've always wanted to go into, uh, areas like Ghana, Ethiopia, we believe that if we can get the right acquisitions going forward, uh, we'll be able to make those acquisitions. That's Benjamin Mopatlana, the Chief Executive of Business Connection. Share down 2.4% on the day. David, it's uh, been bumbling around that 5 rand mm. 50 mark. It's only up 11% over six months, 26% over I, a year. I think they're starting to get things right now. You know, I would imagine that if uh, Benjamin can get his African strategy going and can start to build in these countries, um, we'll, we'll find some reaction. I, I like, you know, I like the Nigerian story. Um, hopefully Kenya they can, come. yeah, if they, if they can keep doing it, yeah, then, then watch it. I, you know, he's a great chap. I like him and I like his company. He's gone through a bit of a rough time, but mm. hopefully this is the end. SAFM market update with MoneyWeb. 
Well, a study by the Tourism Research and Economic Environment and Society Department at the Northwest University has revealed that the total economic impact of all international concerts held at Stadia, built for the 2010 FIFA World Cup to date, is 970 million rand. Research was conducted for Big Concerts, the country's largest live concert promoter. Justin van Veek is Chief Financial Officer of Big Concerts. Justin, eight tours at those stadiums built for the World Cup, including U2, Neil Diamond, Coldplay, Kings of Leon, the Eagles, Lincoln Park, Lady Gaga, and Red Hot Chili Peppers. 970 million rand uh, economic impact across these eight tours. Is this uh, this impact uh, related to really simple stuff like security, like the cost of medics, the cost of sound, the cost of stadium rental, or are there a lot of indirect uh, spin-offs as well? Well, it's really two things. The, the first one is the spending by the attendees um, at the events. So there it's accommodation, it's food, it's beverages, it's transport. I mean, th- those are the major recipients of that spending. The second aspect of that is the the actual spending by um, us as the organisers, as well as you know the stadiums and um, you know the people involved in the event. So you know, it's all very labour intensive. It's all you know security people. It's the people that put up the sound and the lights. It's the people that clean the stadiums. It's the you know it's the various services that go into presenting the event. It doesn't include what the provincial and the national government spent over and above, and that's with regards to things like deployment of the metro police, deployment of South African police services, disaster risk officials. So that number potentially could be a whole lot bigger once you factor in what the government's actually spending and the municipalities are spending in the presentation of these events. Looking at, at your major events, you, you typically have one big concert in Johannesburg at FNB Stadium, one big concert in Cape Town at uh, Cape Town Stadium. Beyond that, though, do the economics uh, only make sense for those two venues? They, they generally only make sense because of the enormous cost involved in doing these productions. I mean, we have done you know, other events at, at, you know, Nelson Mandela Bay Stadium and Moses Mabida Stadium. But, you know, when you've got, uh, take Durban, for example, it's so close to Gauteng in terms of getting on a, a plane 45 minutes. You know, there are buses, there are, uh, you know, private vehicles. People can travel up. It's a weekend away. And a very similar thing happens in, in the Western Cape. You know, people people can drive from, from um, you know, the garden route. And people from Bloemfontein even, it's a four-hour drive. It's very difficult to move these big productions. You know, U2 was 250 people. We were 160 containers. We were so many trucks. To move it six hours away, it doesn't make financial sense. It makes more financial sense the other way around for fans to travel and make a weekend away. You, you mentioned those enormous costs, and uh, without getting into too much detail, obviously, the cost of hosting these big, big events like U2, like Red or Chili Peppers, are, are, are those costs typically in the hundreds of millions? Yeah, they are. I mean, a, a, a typical a big stadium tour for us is a 50, 60 million rand project. You know, U2 was a 140, 150 million rand project. So those are big numbers. They're very, very risky. The break-even percentages are very high. You know, we would typically not make any money before we reach 85 to 90% capacity. And when you have those sort of costs, you know, the the margins are small. We don't always reach capacity. We we often have to do a lot of deals. And, uh, you know, in Cape Town recently, we've been playing 35, 40,000. Those are not capacity shows. 
So they're very expensive, and we tend to do them where there's a very high number of middle-income households because of the ticket prices um, having to be in excess of 450, 500 rand on average for these big shows to make sense in South Africa. I guess with the with the recent weakening of the rand, uh, that's I, I guess not helping either. Given that ticket prices are creeping higher, given that a, a, a large percentage of these costs are, are dollar-based. Yeah, that's that's definitely not helping. I mean, to put it in perspective, when we paid you to uh, in February 2011, we was we were paying them at six rand eighty to the dollar. You know, we're now paying uh, Bon Jovi and Justin Bieber at nine rand thirty to the dollar. I mean, you can work the math. I mean, we certainly haven't pushed our ticket prices up by by twenty five percent. You know, the, the households just won't be able to to pay that amount of money for you know for what is um ultimately in a way a luxury good or a luxury service. So I mean, yeah, it's definitely it definitely made a lot of projects that we were working on. It, it, it's no longer feasible. We have to wait for the rand to pull back to eight to eight fifty for a lot of those projects to to actually make financial sense. Justin van Veek, there, chief financial officer of Big Concerts, that full twelve minute interview online at www.moneyweb.co.za tomorrow morning. Uh, along with the transcript, a fascinating discussion about the business of these uh, mega concerts. David, you too. The payment was made at six hundred eighty to the dollar. Justin Bieber, which comes up in uh, about a month's time, at nine hundred thirty to the dollar. <laughs> Jeez, I, I was hoping that would keep him away. <laughs>